Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hey, what's up? My name is Rochelle Lucero. I'm the host of the Clumsy Theosis podcast. Welcome. The time is here. This is the final episode of our series on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. Talk about exciting. Throughout this series, we have been talking about each of the pieces of armor that St. Paul writes about in his letter to the Ephesians. We've been looking at their spiritual attributes and how to use them in our own daily spiritual warfare. And we're finally going to talk about the last two pieces of armor, which are the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and prayer in the spirit. So let's do it. By the time we end, I also want to let you know, I am going to um, give like a conclusion of like the whole of this series and just wrap it all together with some things that I found super interesting. I'm also going to let you know what our next series will be on. And then I have a little bit of news about the upcoming future. Okay, so for real this time, we're going to talk, <laughs> we're going to talk about um, our topics today. So the sword and the spirit. All right, it is a double-edged weapon. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. And because it's from the Holy Spirit, it's also full of his power. And we know that it is the word of God. Because in Ephesians 6, 17, St. Paul tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. I think it's easy to gloss over really looking into what it is because we think we have the answer, right? We're like, oh yeah, it's the word of God. I know what he's talking about. But humor me for just a second. True or false? The Bible is the only word of God. False. The Bible is the word of God, but it's not the only word of God. The word of God is actually manifested in three ways. When St. John began his gospel, how did he begin? He said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's John 1.1. He's talking about the word of God, but is he talking about the Bible? No, he's talking about the second person of the Trinity, the word who became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. The other two ways that the word of God is manifested in Christianity, it refers to the message of Jesus, right? We encounter Jesus's message or his divine revelation in two ways. One way is written down, right, through the scriptures, through the Bible. But before Jesus's message was ever written down, it was passed on and communicated orally, right, from Jesus to his apostles and then through their preaching. And this oral teaching is, this oral teaching is what we refer to as sacred tradition, or sometimes apostolic tradition. Now, this tradition is a theological principle that we actually see very much alive in the church through the scriptures. That's kind of ironic. But together, we have the sacred scriptures and sacred tradition, and they're what the Catholic Church refer to as a deposit of faith. And I get into that in a lot more detail if you don't know what I'm talking about or if you kind of are a little little skeptical. Um, you might want to listen to a previous episode I have called The Deposit of Faith and Obtaining the Glory of God. I'll link that down in the show notes for you. Thanks for humoring me. I just think it's really important that we establish that by the word of God, um, when St. Paul is talking about the sword of the spirit, that he's talking about Jesus, the Bible, and sacred or apostolic tradition, because then when we read that, when we're putting on the armor of Christ or the armor of God, we realize that St. Paul is telling us, take Jesus, take the sacred scriptures, take the sacred tradition, right? Take all of these things and then be transformed by them. 
And that's important because in the incarnation, St. Athanasius tells us that God became man, that man could become like God. And through the word of God, in all of these manifestations, we become more and more like the image and likeness of God. And then the blade that is your life in Christ, it becomes sharpened. All right, so let's talk about that blade. Let's talk about that double-edged sword on the battlefield. The sword is both an offensive weapon, but it is also a defensive weapon. So defensively, it can protect you against the blows of your enemy, you know, deflecting them. But what about spiritually speaking? Well, spiritually speaking, we can start by having an intimate relationship with the word of God in all of these three ways we just talked about. And when the enemy tries to attack us, tries to break us down, we know who we are. We know our identity because we are being formed and shaped into the image and likeness of God. And he will be less effective to injure us in any way, right? Because we know that he's full of it, right? Okay, now offensively, the sword could be wielded to defeat your opponent, obviously. But spiritually, it can be as simple as speaking the truth of the word of God. Now, dare I use a buzzword and say evangelization, right? Talking about God, telling people about how he is transforming your life, this is actually a blow against the devil, against the enemy and his minions, right? Who would have thought? Also, um, the Psalms tell us that praise is another way that we could use the sword of the spirit offensively in our spiritual warfare. In Psalm 149 verse 6, we read, let the high praises of God be in their throat and double-edged swords in their hands. And I think this is so interesting. I mean, singing praise to the Lord is not the first thing that comes to my mind as an offensive battle maneuver, but it should be because, I mean, we've all heard at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend, right? And that includes the enemy. So you sing the praises of God and you are striking down your enemy. Something else about this that I found super interesting is that in the book of Revelation says, out of the mouth of the word of God came the double-edged sword. And St. Ambrose of Milan says that the sword that came out of the word of God is actually the Holy Spirit. And when we praise God, isn't it the Holy Spirit working within us, right? Isn't that what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3? And no one can say Jesus Christ is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And this makes perfect sense because we're talking about the sword of the spirit, that it is by his power that we can use the sword of the spirit offensively by praising the Lord and telling people about the message of the word of God. Okay, this is a great segue for our next piece of armor, which is prayer in the spirit, because prayer in the spirit is the one thing that binds and animates your armor. That sounds pretty important, doesn't it? And to think, this piece of armor is sometimes totally miscounted or even forgotten. So in Ephesians 6.18, St. Paul instructs us to pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So let's look at that. We are to pray at all times. And the purpose for that is to match the relentless persistence of the devil. Thank you, St. Ignatius Study Bible. But how do we do that? How do we keep up that kind of spiritual stamina, right? You can go hard and try to become a spiritual soldier on your own, but you are not going to survive long because you need to have prayer in the spirit at all times. But that type of tireless prayer that is required here, this can only come from, drumroll please, it can only come from love, right? God is love. The Holy Spirit of God is love. Love is another virtue, Surprise, surprise, this whole series has been full of virtues. Um, The greatest 
In fact, the greatest virtue is love. It is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things and we love our neighbor as ourselves. So it is love that is animating your armor. More specifically, it is the two greatest commandments that are animating your armor, right? Love of God and love of neighbor. So what is that going to look like? Well, I must have heard at least a dozen homilies on the scripture about the two greatest commandments, but nothing has striked me, struck me, struck me as much as this passage when I was uh, studying St. Catherine of Siena. If you don't know, I'm a very, very big fan of St. Catherine of Siena. She's actually one of the patronesses of Clumsy Theosis. And I usually do an episode on her every single year, but I did not do that this year. But I think this is going to make up for it. If you're not familiar with St. Catherine of Siena, the basics are obviously she's a saint. She is a mystic from the medieval period, and she is one of the female doctors of the church. Go ahead. Now, as a mystic, she had a very privileged relationship with God, and from that relationship came a book called The Dialogue, which is a conversation between her and God, right? It's a dialogue. It's mostly her asking questions and God answering her. So she asks, how can we love perfectly? And this is what Jesus told her. He said, I require that you should love me with the same love with which I love you. This indeed you cannot do because I loved you without being loved. All the love with with which you have for me, you owe to me, so that it is not of grace that you love me, but because you ought to do so, while I love you in grace and not because I owe you my love. Therefore, to me, in person, you cannot repay the love with which I require of you And I have placed you in the midst of your fellows that you may do to them that which you cannot do for me. That is to say that you may love your neighbor of free grace without expecting any return from him. And what you do for him, I count as done to me. Uh, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to save you my internal like almost despair at this thought (laughs) back in the day when I very first read this. Um, and just uh, go into the, uh, the summary here. Basically, Jesus is telling her, perfect love comes from grace. And loving those people who do not deserve our love, who haven't earned our love, that is perfect love because that comes from grace. Now, when we love God, it's not from grace. It's not perfect because he does actually deserve all of our love. So what does this mean for us? Does this mean that we are just out of luck in the perfect love department? No. Jesus tells St. Catherine that there are people in our lives who don't deserve our love, but that we are supposed to love. Those are our neighbors. And that's why he has given them to us, right? Because through loving our undeserving neighbors, we can finally love God through grace, right? We can finally love perfectly when we love our undeserving neighbors. Oh, joy. All right, so how can we assess whether or not we're doing that well, that we're learning to love perfectly, those people who don't deserve it? Well, God tells St. Catherine the uh, answer, uh, but basically he says that if you feel any sort of like hurt or annoyance or frustration or jealousy, resentment, or um, you feel like you're being deprived of something, or there's now a void in your life because you have loved someone who does not deserve it, that is a sign that there is room for improvement. Um, Jesus goes on to tell St. Catherine the thing that makes our love imperfect. And I want to know what that is so I can like address that. Well, he says that it is the root of our self-love 
that has not been properly dug out. That is what makes our love imperfect. So we should talk about how to dig out that root of self-love because we need to do that in order to love perfectly, in order to have our armor animated on the battlefield to protect us as well as to expand the kingdom of heaven. So how do we root out or how do we dig out the root of self-love? We do that by prayer, right? And this brings me back to Ephesians where Paul says, pray at all times in the spirit with prayer and with supplication. Supplication, if you're not aware, those are petitions. By petitioning God at all times, by asking for anything and everything that I need or I want, I'm growing in my awareness of my poverty. I'm growing in humility and my dependence on God, right? I'm realizing more and more that I am not the master of my life, that everything in my life, everything that I have is a gift. And the more gifts that I give away, the more I'm going to receive from God because God cannot be outdone in generosity. And prayer in the spirit is how I do that. Prayer in the spirit is how I pray always. And I'm always rooting out my self-love. Prayer in the spirit is the Christian life. Continually giving the Holy Spirit permission to fill my thoughts and my words and my actions, right? Permission to animate the gifts that I was given at my baptism And in the letter of Ephesians, like the whole letter from chapter one to chapter six, there's a crescendo to the Christian life that climaxes with prayer in the spirit. And I was taught that this crescendo of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians, it moves us from mystery to mystagogy. Let me explain that. So if we zoom out and we look at chapter one, we read that we are to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is the mystery, right? That's the sacrament being sealed with the Holy Spirit. In chapter five, we are told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And why is that? Because there's always room for more God. But St. Paul does not stop with us reaching fullness. But then what could go beyond fullness? What else is there? St. Paul says it is prayer in the Holy Spirit. Prayer in the Holy Spirit. Hence the animating force for the armor of God that we read about at the end of the letter in chapter six. Prayer in the Holy Spirit is a pouring out of yourself that is immediately refilled. You are pouring out and purging yourself of your self-love and you are being filled with the love of God. You know, by depending on him and calling on him, you are pouring out love to your neighbor to love them. And when you do that, God is immediately filling you, refilling you with his love. This is an example of mystagogy. Mystagogy is when through the mysteries, Christ does something within us, right? So when we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now praying in the Holy Spirit, through that mystery, God is now doing something within us. And here's that thing that he is doing. He is, in this case, he, the Holy Spirit is reproducing Christ in us. Through putting on the armor of God, the Holy Spirit is reproducing Christ within us. How cool is that? All right, so this leads us to my conclusion of this whole series. Are you ready for it? Okay, this is very important to me. It struck me very deeply throughout this time, and I hope it's done the same for you. So this is, this is what, what I've gotten from this. Prayer in the Spirit, prayer in the Holy Spirit, it animates the whole armor of God, which reproduces Christ in me. Each piece that I have been called to put on has familiarized me with Jesus. It's called me to draw on who he is and to draw on his power. And so I'm going to go through each of those pieces just to kind of do a final recap. 
The belt of truth is Jesus Christ in the scriptures, the Eucharist, and prayer. The breastplate of righteousness are the virtues. The breastplate surrounds the heart, and then Jesus goes in there and he transforms the heart and the soul so that I can become more like living a life of universal virtue, which he, in fact, is himself. The foot coverings of the gospel of peace are the good news of the transformation and the healing in Christ that I have received and will continue to receive. The shield of faith requires that I have faith in God, that I live it, and that I profess it. And it kind of makes me like a disciple of Jesus. You know, those people who model themselves after him. The helmet of salvation is hope. It's a hope that longs for the kingdom of heaven, which is Jesus's kingdom, where I will share in his glory as a fellow heir with him. The sword of the spirit is the word of God written, made flesh, present in the sacrament and in tradition. And when I put on all of this armor, the whole armor of God, I am doing what St. Paul told the Colossians about. I am taking off the old man, which is Adam and his you know, his sin, right? And I'm putting on the new man, which is Christ, who has redeemed Adam. And tradition tells us that Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they wore garments of light. Jesus Christ restored those garments. And in Romans 13, St. Paul is referring to this, this restoration, when he says to put on the armor of light. So we have the armor of God, the armor of light, and putting on the new man. All of this is synonymous. All of this is the same thing for the Holy Spirit to reproduce Christ in us. And it all requires, it all, all of it, all of it requires that we pray in the Spirit at all times. Isn't that so amazing? So beautiful? So I, I just, I don't even, I don't have words. Like it just creates awe in me how much God wants to transform us so that he can spend eternity with us and that we can become these glorious saints. And he does it in so many ways. And this is just one of those ways. The armor of God is, is just one of those ways. Yeah, I really hope that you enjoyed this series. So what is our next series going to be on? Well, you know that I let our patrons, who are our monthly supporters, decide, and they have chosen the virtues. And so I'm going to try to make it like the virtues and practical living, like concrete ways in which we can live out each of the specific virtues. And I do have some ideas and I'm looking at one specific book for that. I might do a book study. We will see. In order to know, you'll have to uh, keep up with me, um, which brings me to my next point is I'm taking the month of June off. I did it last year and it was great. So I will be back at the beginning of July, the first Friday, yeah, between now and then, keep up with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or sign up for the weekly email, which you can get on the website, clumsytheosis.net. That way you'll know what exactly we're going to be doing in this series. And if it is a book study, you'll know what to get, all of that stuff. But I do want to also ask you within this next month, if you could share the podcast, share it on social media, email it to friends. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts or you have um, an Apple account, if you can go in and leave a rating for the show, preferably five-star rating, just saying, it's really helpful to help the podcast grow. We have a great message here to share. And if you're sticking around, I think you believe that also. So if you could share it online, that would be awesome. While I will not be producing new content during June, I will be pulling together more of our series and more of our collections that we already have, but I will put them together and make them look all fancy and nice and easy to get to on the website. And you'll find those on the series and collection page. So keep checking back throughout the month. 
The Holy Spirit Collection will be live this weekend, and then the, the, the prayer collection will probably come after that, and who knows what else I'll be doing. So yeah, keep up online, or like I said, through the email, you'll know which series and which collections are now live. And it might be easier to share those with friends rather than individual episodes or just the podcast at large. All right. And I, I think that's it. Yeah. Pentecost is this weekend. I pray that you have an awesome, awesome spirit-filled Pentecost. And I'll leave you with these words from St. Cyril of Jerusalem on the Holy Spirit. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And again, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. End quote. Thank you, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. I couldn't have said it better myself. Until July, peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.